There now. Whew. Wow. Good to see y'all. Amen. Glad to be here. For some reason, one thing that always puts a smile on my face, or another thing that always puts a smile on my face, is coming to the house of God to worship with the people of God. Amen. And I uh, just want to say, uh, it's good to see Miss Hazel White. Miss Hazel has not been able to come in a long time. Uh, you're looking good, sister. Amen. You hear me? <laughs> she says, I know. Do you say, I know, or thank you? <laughs> you can say both, sis. Good deal. Wow. Good to see y'all. God's desire for humanity. God's desire for humanity is given to us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And part of that desire for every human being is this. That we may comprehend or understand the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. If you reverse that verse, if you want to be filled with the fullness of God, then start understanding how much He loves you. Because once you start understanding how much God loves you, you will well up with the fullness of God. You see, friend, love is not simply a Christian message. It is the Christian message. Every single person in our impact zone. That means all of our buddies, all of our family, all of our co-workers, all of those people you run into at Walmart, all of those people in your impact zone need to know that God insists on loving every single person on this planet. It doesn't matter who they are, and it don't matter what they've done. Love isn't a Christian message. It's the Christian message. Last week we were reminded as such... We were reminded that before we were even born, God has loved us with an unprompted, unreasonable, unending, unlimited, unchanging, uncomplicated, unconditional love. And you need to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, and the height of that love so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. You see, before you were born, God knew your identity. That's right. From the moment you were conceived, you were a person. A person whom God loved. Before you were born, God knew your complexity. And we took a look, amen, took a look into the mother's womb and we saw how the golem, the golem, that Hebrew word for embryo, 
how the only place here in the Bible that is using that word embryo. We took a look how that embryo develops with a complexity of microscopic cells all woven together to create this wonderful person that God calls you. Before you were born, God not only knew your identity, he not only knew your complexity, but he also knew your individuality. From the moment of your conception, friend, God designed you to be all he wanted you to be. What a love. God knew you. And God loved you as a fully human person before you were born. And that kind of leads us into today's message. Because, because he knows your future, God will always love you. One of the very few verses of scripture in the Bible that can stand alone without requiring a little bit of understanding of uh, what happened before and what happened after, is Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Very few verses are worthy of being preached on just all by themselves, but this is certainly one of them. In Colossians chapter 1, the Word of God says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, get this, all things, say all things, all things were created through him and by him. All things were created through Jesus and by Jesus. What does that mean? Well, that means that Christ is the source of all things, but he's also the reason that all things were made. He is the source and he's the reason. And because that is true, every single life is valuable to God. What does that mean for me and you? Well, as believers, we need to come to the understanding that what happens to be valuable to Jesus also must be valuable to us. And every single life is important to Jesus, including yours. Have you ever thought about how important you are in the eyes of God. How important you are in the eyes of God. Friend, because God knows your future, God also knows your destiny. In Jeremiah chapter 1, in verse 5, the prophet writes, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet 
to the nations. In that verse, God says four things through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you or set you apart. And I ordained you. That is, I called you to serve me with the life I'm getting ready to give you. Now, when I surrendered to the ministry 14 years ago, I remember wondering, God, have you really thought this whole thing through? As God was dealing with me to surrender to ministry, I offered every excuse in the book to try to tell him why I wasn't qualified to fulfill the destiny he had chosen for me. I reminded him that I had been divorced. I reminded God that I had once had an alcohol and drug abuse problem. I reminded God that I was uneducated. I reminded God that I was uncertain. I reminded God, I don't even think you can use a man like me. But as I read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, I was actually comforted a little bit because Jeremiah used the same stunt that I tried to use. In verse 6, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God. I can hear my own voice in that. Oh, Lord God. I cannot preach, for I am but a youth, Jeremiah said. In both cases, God knew exactly what he was doing. God didn't make some spontaneous decision off the cuff. He had this destiny mapped out for me while I was still being carried by my mama. God has planned for this moment in time, with great joy and great satisfaction. He knew you were going to be here this morning, and he knew why. My prayer for you is that you hear him telling you, I have formed you. I have known you. I have set you apart, and I have called you to serve me. He looks forward to the moment when his child, his child whom he gave his son for, lovingly and willingly puts to use the gifts he so lovingly has given us. I promised you this. This is actually one of the crafts that one of our, some of our kids did on Wednesday. And of course, they're the Valentine's candy hearts, which I loved. But, uh, and I, I see this stuff when I go around the church and I kind of spruce up a little bit on Wednesday nights after I drop the kids off and I kind of get to see what they did because I'm with them in a different class. And anyway, this heart says, God's conversation hearts. And instantly I knew what the folks who were doing this craft were trying to accomplish. They were trying to teach these children to pray. 
to communicate with God. And so what did I do? I started eating the candy. Amen? And I still have some left over. If you're interested, to see me after the service. But I was really touched by the efforts. And I walked from classroom to classroom. And I look at Miss Janet's bulletin board filled with prayer requests on one side and the definition of hospitality on the other. I walked into the BYG classroom, uh, the girls specifically, and I see uh, what they're praising God for. And I can't remember all of them, but I was so inspired I had to write, Brother Bill loves this. And somebody wrote a smiley face too, by the way. You know, that God, uh, we ought to praise God for His promises and His provision. And then I can remember going into the BYG boys' room and seeing the whiteboard up there on the easel. And uh, I think it was Brother Andy, well, and Tim too, what was teaching our boys about what Proverbs chapter 6 says about those six abominable sins. And I can't remember how that was worded, but it was something like six things that God really hates. And so I go from classroom to classroom. I remember going to Miss April's classroom, and I see what they're doing in class. And I'm just kind of awestruck at these adults who are pouring out their life into the lives of our children. Not just my kids. Not just your kids. But the kids in our community. And one day those kids are going to be teaching more kids. Amen? And I would just stop right where I was and I thank God. I thank God for for sending us children to put into our care, to teach and to grow and to nurture and to to help them along the path of life. And then I realized, man, we are really shorthanded. And so I said, you know what? As a part of my message, I'm going to make sure that we have sign-up sheets because nobody needs to be cheated of this privilege, amen? Here's a life group's sign-up sheet. If you'd like to be in the rotation for life groups on Sunday mornings, all it means is you get here about 9.15 and you help out Miss Lori and the other teachers that have already been signed up and you be a part of pouring into other children's lives. There's also the Kids Corner sign-up sheet that I mentioned to you. Hey, man, with as many kids as we've got, we've got to divide them up. You can't expect a teacher to teach a, 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 a three-year-old, the same thing they're teaching a sixth grader, right? We need more. We need to split them up. And that means we're going to need more adult help. And then with CIA, our Christians in Action, our children's ministry, I'm telling you, we need every one of you. If we had every adult in this class, in this building right now, coming out to nurture and minister to the children of this community and of this church, and your children and your grandchildren. Let me tell you what. We probably, God would probably entrust us with about double of the children we have. Amen? But stewardship is important. So we'll see what we're faithful to do now. And then we'll see what God is going to use us for later. Amen? But we can use every one of you here today. It's so important that you realize the destiny that God has for your life. And I can't help but think that at least a portion of your life ought to be for the next generation.
I mean, God treasures those moments when he sees you growing. He treasures those moments when you sow a little bit of love, a little bit of nurturing into another child's life. He treasures that. He treasures the fact that you're doing what you designed, what he designed you to do. Because God loves you so incredibly, he has plotted a course for you. And I want to tell you, this is a course of success. The problem is, is that often my definition of success and God's definition of success is different. Amen? My definition of success is, is that I get to do ministry with no hiccups. I get to do ministry with no valleys, no trouble, no challenges. All of our kids are perfect little children, angels. What are y'all laughing about? Y'all act like you know our kids or something. Amen? But God's definition of success is you're faithful in what I designed you to do. You're faithful to reach these children. You know, God uses my wrong decisions. God uses my bad choices. He uses the consequences that come as a result of those bad choices as part of his success equation. Amen? God even uses the outcome of disobedience, the outcome of rebellion, the outcome of sin, even though it grieves the Father so when we do it. But he still uses those instances for stepping stones toward godly success. So I want you to know that because God knows your future, and I pray you're looking in the mirror uh, that God has provided you this morning, and you're looking in that mirror and you're saying, because God knows my future, he also knows my destiny. And part of my destiny is to sow into the next generation. Well, let me give you another one. Because he knows your future, he also knows your possibility. He knows perfectly well what you're capable of. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, check this out. Then God said in the creation of the universe, in the, this planet specifically, God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Man, it sounds like a bunch of people involved in that process. I thought God created this planet. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Male and female, he created them. One of my favorite Bible scholars, William or Warren Wiersbe, uh, once said about this verse, he said, there was a divine conference going on. A divine conference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God before man was created. And the three persons of God got together, and they never had done that at any other point in creation, but they got together, they were having this conference, and out of this conference, they determined to make man in their own image. Does that mean that I'm like God in every way? 
Too many of y'all are shaking your head. No, you ain't. Well, you're right. None of us are. But let me tell you what it does mean. It does mean that despite being contaminated by sin, we are still capable of bearing the likeness of God. Despite living in a fallen world, despite being contaminated by sin, we can still be special reflections of who God is. Why? Because he made us in his image. In everything you do, friend, you have this ability to reveal a picture of God even though it's on a smaller canvas. You have that capability. Your work can reflect God's work. Right? I mean, our love should provide at least a hint of how God loves. Our care and concern should imitate God's care and concern for all people. So we can live a life in the likeness of God because we are created in His image. Every single human being, friend, has the capability of reflecting the nature of God. Therefore, every single human being has great, great value. It don't matter who they are and it don't matter what they've done. They have the capability to reflect the image of God. But you know what? Not everybody thinks that way. Not everybody feels that way. A guy named Peter Singer is the professor of bioethics at Princeton University, and he has created a so-called, get this, quality of life ethic. He teaches university students about this quality of life ethic that he created. And that whole mentality, that whole teaching, that whole, that whole uh, attitude approves the killing of children one year old and younger simply because they have a physical or mental disability. This is a professor at Princeton University. He says if they ain't got no quality of life, they ain't got no business living. This is real. Others take it a step further. Others say that it should be okay to kill any human being who is incapable of adding value to their own existence. They say merely being human is not reason enough to give someone the right to life. That should scare you to death. And let me tell you why. Less than a century ago, nobody would have ever believed that 52 million children had been killed in the womb. 
They said, ah, that'll never happen. But this is being taught at, in some of our nation's universities. It scares me to think that humanity has drifted so far from God. I mean, the mere possibility that that line of thinking could become commonplace, man, that's more dangerous than nuclear war. That's more dangerous than, a, than the Twin Towers tragedy times ten. That's more dangerous than any terrorist attack, any economic collapse, any natural disaster. Because that kind of mindset destroys a whole civilization, not just a body. That line of thinking says that a human person's value is dependent on if they're healthy, if they're smart, and if they can contribute to society. There was somebody else who thought along those lines. And his name was Adolf Hitler. And he took what began as a mindset, an attitude, a teaching. And he actually made it happen. And millions, say millions. Can y'all even visualize what a million looks like? Millions and millions of human beings with destinies that God created, with all manner of possibility, were murdered. my mind so what in the world do we do how do we combat that kind of thinking that's going on in some of our universities what do we do about that well what if we viewed every single pregnancy as a brand new opportunity for love regardless of the circumstances regardless of the issues regardless of how it happened that's irrelevant what if we viewed every pregnancy as a new opportunity for us to pour out our love on a new child? What if we viewed every pregnancy as an irreplaceable gift filled with indefinite possibilities? What if we let love rule instead of quality of life rule? You see, love, friend, is a game changer. Love changes things. Love simply isn't a Christian message. It's the Christian message. So maybe we could reevaluate our, our, our strategy. We could refocus our message, maybe reallocate our resources. But love. Love changes things. Love changes the way that people look at other people. Love changes the way, it, the way people look at the world. Love changes things. People die for love. Amen? People will stretch their resources for love. People will go to the other side of the globe for love. People will tighten their belt. They'll work extra hours. They will lose sleep. For love. 
Love changes things. Love moves us. Love moves us to find a way. Love says, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way. My schedule is so tight, I don't see how I could possibly do it. But love says, that's it. I'm finding a way. Because God knows your future, he knows your possibilities. He knows your possibilities. And he knows that every life ought to be special to us. Because every life is special to him. And that includes the problem children. That includes the ones that will make you pull out your hair. Man, I'll never, ever forget the blessings that I get from Lulu boarding that church van and coming and hugging my neck and kissing me right here. What is that saying? It's about love. And there ain't nothing that I wouldn't do to make sure that child got to this church house to experience the love of Christ. Finally today, not only does God know your destiny, He knows why He created you. Not only does He know your possibility, but because God knows your future, He also knows your legacy. In Jeremiah 29, in verse 11, probably one of the more familiar verses in the Bible. And Jeremiah is talking to the whole host of God's people who have been in Babylon under captivity, and he's reminding them, hey, God ain't forgotten about you guys yet, okay? And here's what he says as he assures them that God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God knows your legacy. And since the Lord is God, and God doesn't change, that verse has application for me and you too. That verse means that God's got a future for you, and he's got a hope for you. He's also got a legacy he wants you to have. But I ask this question. If God knew me before I was born, and he knows my future, did he know about all the difficult things I'd go through? Did God know about all the painful things that would happen in my life? Did he know about that divorce? Did he know about those addictions? Did he know about those broken relationships that I have with my children? Did he know about the loss of a wife? And if he knew about them and he didn't prevent them, then what does that say about how much he loves me? Furthermore, 
What future or what hope does a child have who has been physically deformed? What future or what hope does a child have who has some mental defect born with some other disorder? What hope do they have? What kind of future has God got cut out for them? I mean, our culture values the quality of life. And if you ain't got the quality of life, they don't think you should have anything. But we got to understand this. Even people born with serious health problems, serious mental challenges, friend, they still have a future and they still have a hope. In fact, many of them live in this state of joy that amazes most of us. Yeah, they got a future. You better believe they got a hope. One such person is a girl named Gianna Jessen. And Gianna is the inspiration for the movie October Baby. I never saw that movie, but after I read this story, I felt I had to share it with you. See, Gianna's 17-year-old mother was about seven and a half months pregnant with Gianna. And Gianna's mother decided that she was going to have an abortion. And she was going to do it by saline injection. I didn't know about that, and many of you may not either. But in a saline injection, the womb is injected with a saline solution, and the mother is expected to deliver a dead baby within 24 hours. This happened with Gianna's mother. However, Gianna survived for 18 hours in that saline solution before being delivered alive. After two-pound Gianna was born, she was rushed to the hospital where she stayed for three months in touch-and-go living. At 17 months, Gianna was diagnosed with cerebral palsy due to the oxygen starvation that occurred during that botched abortion. That prognosis for Gianna was very grim. They told her mother that uh, she would never be able to lift her head, that she'd never be able to sit up straight. She certainly would never walk again. But love, but love, the love of a diligent foster mother taught those doctors that their opinions were wrong. Love led that foster mother to help Gianna through four surgeries, leg braces, a grueling physical therapy. And today, Gianna not only walks, but runs marathons. Gianna also writes songs, and she herself has become an advocate of love for the unborn. Before Gianna was born, God had a legacy planned for her. God had a future for her. God had a hope for her. He took what other people meant for evil and he turned it into good. 
So Gianna's life and all the challenges that she endured are no accident, my friend. The work that Gianna does this day are no accident. They're part of her legacy. They're part of her future. And they're part of her hope. See, friend, God sees what we can't see. God sees way beyond your difficulties. God sees beyond our own self-perceived limitations. And he sees an eternal impact that we will have on others. So what are you saying, Bill? I'm saying God sees past your schedule problems. God sees past the long hours. God sees past your own perceived self-limitations. I can't do that. And he looks beyond that. And he says, child, you will have an eternal impact on other children. If you will. Consider your own life. We never see the bends in the road, do we? They come up upon us before we know it. And there they are. But God sees them. God knows they're coming. Sometimes their hairpin turns and they turn you about face. Sometimes they're just turns that lead you in another direction. But God sees them. And he also sees the future of those who have yet to be born. He knows the things that he has yet to do through you. He knows the lives that will be forever changed by your life. And get this. He knows the lives that will be touched by the lives that you touch. God loved you before you were born. He loves you today. And because he knows your future, he will always love you. And he loves you so much that he wants you to be involved in heavenly work. Work that lasts into eternity. So, are you willing to do a work for your children? For your grandchildren, for your nieces and nephews? Are you willing to do a work? Are you willing to look forward to the work that God is going to do through you for them? He loves you and He desires to use you in that capacity. But let me ask you this too. Because He loves you, He loves you dearly. He loves your life so much that he made an eternal sacrifice of his son so that your life could be preserved eternally. He 
He loved me and the life that he created for me, the destiny, the possibility, and the legacy that he had for me. And he loved me so much. And he said, Bill, I want to preserve it into all eternity. And he says the same thing for you. Will you? Will you? Will you trust in the son that God provided for you so that you could enjoy your destiny? the incredible possibilities and the legacy that God has set out for you. If you will, during this invitation time, during this decision song, we call it, I just want to encourage you to step out, step forward. I'll show you what the Bible says about how God preserves life eternally. It won't come from me. It'll come from God. But there are others that already have their life preserved eternally. My question is, are you doing what you can do to preserve other lives eternally? Let it never be said that there's not a place at Bethel where you can serve the Lord. Because there is. So during this decision song, if the Lord has led you, we have a children's life groups on Sunday mornings. We have kids, all these are rotations, by the way. Children's life group rotation, Sunday morning. Kids corner, children's church rotation on Sunday morning. We're not asking you to do it all the time. I want you in here, amen. I want you to hear some good preaching. Right? Right? There you go. I gotta build me up every now and then. You don't build me up, then I gotta build myself up. Amen. Kids Corner, Rotation, Children's Church, and also CIA. God needs you. And that's all I have to say about that. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for giving us this wonderful Christian atmosphere and environment to train up our children in the admonition of the Lord. Father, there are many nights that I don't feel worthy, I don't feel adequate, and I don't feel like I want to teach the children. But you've always pulled through, and despite my excuses, you've spoken through me in every case. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters here today would not deprive themselves of the privilege of serving you and creating a legacy of Christianity that will go into the decades to follow. Father, today's a decision day. Today's a day we need to look in the mirror and we need to say, am I fulfilling the destiny God has given me? Or am I just taking it for granted? I've already got my eternal life. So why should I worry about anybody else's? Father, let us not be complacent. Let us not have that attitude. Lord, let us be diligent to raise up the next generation and fulfill our destiny, accomplish all those wonderful possibilities, and truly create a legacy that will last into eternity. Father, if there's a decision made, 
where somebody says, I want an eternal life that comes through trusting Jesus. Let this decision time be for them as well. We'll give you the praise for everything that transpires during this decision time. For your glory alone. And in Jesus' name we pray it all. And God's people said.